0: appreciate the opportunity to share with you this morning. I'm glad you're all here. Um, like Pastor said, you know, I was scheduled to speak right after Carrie's surgery, and that's when we had the blizzard, and, and so I wasn't able to get here, and I had a message all prepared. And so Pastor wanted to give me an opportunity to share it. Well, I'm going to share something completely different than what I had on that, that day. So as I sought the Lord about what I should uh, speak about, uh, there was some things stirring in me, and I just didn't know if that was the right direction. And, and so, uh, oh, back, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, uh, while I was praying, um, I really felt like God was stirring on my heart to pray specifically for salvation. And I, we've been pr- praying for revival uh, in our community and in our country uh, for quite a while now. Uh, I think we started doing that to start the service back before Christmas even and uh so and that's something that I do daily in my prayer life um, and I've tried to be very intentional about that in the last five, six months, but I really felt like uh in that prayer time god was was directing me to pray specifically for salvation uh, or for salvations to happen and um so you know immediately in your mind, you go to you know praying for salvation during the church service that that people would come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through our church services, and I think that that's a piece of what God wants to do, but I think that that limits what god wants to do if if we uh only want to see people be uh, accept jesus christ as their savior that only happens a couple hours a week that we have this service or uh you know if you count Sunday school and praise and worship time and 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 uh, uh and the the time of sharing the word that's just a small piece and i think that um you know that was that's limiting god if we look at it as uh you know We want to see people come to the Lord in our services. We absolutely want to see that, and I'm not saying that. We've seen tremendous, I think, growth in the church, and I think we've seen revivals happen in the church. You know, uh, looking back, there's a lot of people that are here this morning even that weren't maybe here a year ago, and I think that God has moved a lot of believers and put them in, in place here in our church and I'm, I thank him for that. So if, if you started coming in the past year or so, I'm so thankful that you're here. God has a role for you in this church. He has a role for you in this community. He has a role for you in this body that is tremendous, that's gonna result in the winning of souls. But I want, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. I'm ecstatic that you're here. I'm ecstatic about God doing that here. But I wanna see, I'm not satisfied by that. And I think if we ever get to the place where we're satisfied, uh, Jesus better have just said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. That's, that's the point where we need to be satisfied. On this earth, we should never, as Christians, reach a point where we're satisfied with where we're at, or, or where we're, where the body of Christ is at, because God's, Jesus says He's coming back for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. Well, I'm not there yet. I'm not without spot or wrinkle. And I'm part of the bride, so uh, the bride's not without spot or wrinkle either, because I'm a piece of that, and I'm not without spot or wrinkle. So we can just we can set that aside. Um, so I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with the growth, and, and, and it's not about numbers in, this, in, in the seats. I love to see numbers in the seats. I know pastor loves to see that, but it's not about that. It's about changing lives uh, with the blood that Jesus shed. It's about seeing um, lives changed and, and, and people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I'm not satisfied with seeing more people in the church. I want to see people coming to Jesus Christ, to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we need to continue to press on into that and... I called Pastor. You know, it, it really felt like God was speaking to my heart, and I, I, I think I called you on the phone, or we had a phone conversation, and I, I said, you know, I just really feel like we need to be praying for salvation, in our and in, in our services, and and Pastor said that really messed him up. It stirred up his spirit, and and it stirred up my spirit, and he's thinking, what do we need to do different in our services, and 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 you know, I think. Uh, in this week, he was really stirred up and I was really stirred up. And, and I came and visited with him on Friday. And, and you know, he shared that with me that, you know, what I've, I've been looking, what do we need to change? And and it's, I think both of us said it's not about changing the service. It's not about changing what happens in the service. It's about the body going out and being uh, being the body out there. And, and that growth is going to come through. Through the body. I want you to look at um, Jeremiah chapter 23. Uh, I'm going to look at verses 3 and 4 um, to kind of start us off. And I'm going to grab my water. <clears throat> because I think God wants to save people in our church services, but I think that's just a, a small piece of His plan. Uh, to reach the world and to reach the lost. And this kind of begins to shed some light on on that plan that God has. He said, uh, But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. It's a tremendous promise. It's a tremendous prophecy that, that God's making through uh, Jeremiah. And he's giving us a, a, an analogy or an allegory for what he wants his church to look like as it goes forward. And so we see the pieces here he's talking about. He's referring to his people as 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 a sheep flock, as a fold of sheep. Now, Josie raises sheep, right, Josie? You've raised sheep for how long? Eight years. Eight years she's raised sheep. How many lambs have you given? You're kind of like a shepherd then, right? So you're the shepherd and you've got these sheep and you take care of them. How many lambs have you given birth to? None. But you're a shepherd. So being a cowboy is kind of like being a shepherd, right? Except it's cows that you're taking care. Now I know I, you know it's it's not the same, but. I... <laughs> Walt knows what I'm talking about. It's not the same. It's cattle. But how, Greg, how many calves have you given birth to? As a cowboy, surely for you to have all those cows, you've given birth to lots of calves, right? Not one. Not one. And so the role of the shepherd isn't to give birth to the sheep, Right? Who's, who did it say is going to multiply and have increase? There shall be fruitful and increase. That's referring to the fold of sheep, right? The sheep are going to be multiple, are going to multiply. The sheep are going to have increase. And so, if we want to see increase, if we want to see the body of Christ grow. And when if we're when we're talking about the body of Christ, I'm not just ta- that's not exclusive to this little group of believers right here in this place. The body of Christ is the body of Christ worldwide, and it's not about numbers in, in Crawford, uh, in Christ Community Church here in Crawford. It's about the body of Christ growing and people accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior, and and and, and serving Him with their life. And so. Um, That increase happens through the ministry and the work of the sheep the sh- it's, it's, and and pastor is the shepherd of this little flock here he's also a sheep, so that doesn't mean that pastor's not going to uh, be leading people to the Lord, but we can't look at the role of the pastor as having the sheep having all the sheep we're looking for pastor to 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 uh, do all the multiplying and all the increasing. That's something that sits mainly on our shoulders as the flock. We need to be out there having the sheep. Um, and it, so it kind of brings the question how do we do that? How do we, um, as the sheep, and if that's our responsibility, it's sitting on our shoulders to increase and multiply, how do we increase and multiply the body of Christ? How do we reach? Non-believers and 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 see them converted to to belief and faith in Christ, and you know I think that there are some specific ways in Scripture that we do that. We all know that that uh, Acts one eight uh, says um, that he's poured his Spirit out upon us. We'll receive power after that his Spirit has come upon us, and we'll be his witnesses in Judea and Samaria and under all the uttermost parts of the earth. And I, that is uh, a critical component to that. But I'm, I'm not going to focus on that today. I'm going to focus on something that Jesus said uh, in, in Matthew. Uh, I'm going to look in verse uh, uh, 513. And we're going to kind of refer back to this passage uh, of Scripture uh, throughout the morning we're going to look at verse 5.13 first in Matthew. And it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good then for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So in this verse, he's calling us the salt of the earth. Okay? And you know that's kind of even become a become a, a a catchphrase that will say yeah they're the salt of the earth when we're saying somebody's really good um but really what what does that mean what is Jesus trying to communicate to us when he says that we are salt uh what what would that mean and so I think we need to have a little bit of perspective on the the times that Jesus was talking about and and just think about salt a little bit uh to kind of shed some light on what he might be getting at when he calls us salt. So, uh, if you think about salt, we go to, uh, and have dinner sometimes over at, at Wild's restaurant. And it's a, it's a, it's a bar and grill. And, uh, they bring pretzels out and they set them on your table. And, you know, you sit there and you can eat pretzel after pretzel. And there's a reason why they do that. Number one is pretzels are pretty addictive. That salt is pretty addictive. You kind of get to craving it. Once you start eating them, you kind of can't stop. You crave that salt and you want to keep eating it. Well, then of course, they know that the salt's going to make you thirsty and you're going to buy drinks, right? But, uh, and we go there for dinner. We don't go there to drink. But, uh, but they still bring you the pretzels and then you're drinking Mountain Dew all night, right? So, uh, or what it, so my wife drinks usually water, but I drink Mountain Dew. I'll have three or four glasses of Mountain Dew sitting there at at, at Wild's because I'll eat that whole cup of pretzels and I'll get thirsty. But because I can't stop eating the pretzels, that's I crave that salt. Well I think that's part of what Jesus is getting at about us being salt is he there there needs to be something within us We need to be something that the world is craving. We've got something within us, words to say, wisdom to to give that the world is craving and they can't get enough of. All we've got to do is start speaking those words. You know, um, if I'm a plain potato chip without any salt on it, that kind of is just mush. I mean, if you ever can imagine what a, I don't think anybody's ever had a potato chip without salt on it, because why would you, right? Right. That'd just be mush. Can you imagine eating a pretzel with no salt on it? It'd just turn to paste. It'd be almost like a communion wafer, right? <laughs> nobody nobody sits and eats communion. They like to drink the grape juice afterwards, but nobody sits and eats communion wafers after after communion. There's just not much flavor there. There's no salt there. There's nothing to, to season it, right? So, uh, <clears throat> which obviously isn't the point of, of taking communion, but... Uh, uh, we don't we don't crave uh that that doesn't have salt in it. We don't crave that that doesn't have flavor. We don't crave that that's not seasoned. And so I think that's part of what Jesus is trying to communicate to us uh about this uh, when he calls us salt. Another thing that I think about when I think about salt, we have to kind of put ourselves back in uh, the age when Jesus spoke this, the people that He spoke it to. So for us, you know, we can run down to the grocery store and buy a little thing of salt, and it's, I don't know, a dollar or two probably, three bucks maybe, I don't know. But not, not a whole lot of money, and it's pretty easy to get uh, a, a, a thing of salt. And, you know, we don't really think about it. We sprinkle it on our food just as much as we want, and it's, it, it's, it's not a significant factor for us. We've got easy access to it and it's inexpensive. Well, at this time, salt would not have been easy to get and it would have been expensive. And so uh, I think he's also communicating to us the value that we have and the value that our words might have when we're speaking uh, those words of salt. We're going to see uh, uh, a little bit later when we look at a verse, it's going to tell us that our words should be seasoned with salt. And so those that those words should be valuable, okay? Those words shouldn't be idle words. It talks about idle words in Scripture. When we're speaking words that are seasoned with salt, those are not idle words. Those are words that have value. Those are words that bring life and bring change. Um, and so those are the words that we need to be speaking if we're going to be the salt uh, that Jesus tells us that we are uh, in this passage of Scripture, and another thing about salt that we don't think about, and part of it is because for us it's not expensive, it's easy to get, and so a lot of the foods that we buy have quite a bit of salt in them. And uh, if they don't have enough salt for us, you know, Trevor used to get fries at McDonald's. And if you had fries at McDonald's, they're, they're pretty salty to begin with. They salt them pretty well. And uh, instead of putting ketchup on them, Trevor would sprinkle salt, in, his, in, in the top of his hamburger box and dip his fries in salt. And I mean, they, they looked like they had a little snow on top of them when he put him in his mouth. He, so salt is not hard to get. It's easy to get for us. But so, so, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, in our society, salt's kind of a problem because we actually eat too much of it, right? But what we don't really realize is that salt is something that's essential for our body we need to have some salt. We've got about oh two or three salt shakers full of salt in our body all the time if, when we're healthy. It, keeps us, it actually keeps us from getting dehydrated. It balances uh, the fluids in our body. It's, uh, sodium, uh, which is a component of salt, is critical in our nerve impulses. So if we get low on um, electrolytes, those our, our nerve impulses don't work right. So... Uh, that salt is actually crucial for your body to function properly. And when he's talking about us being salt, it's something that he's he's communicating that we're valuable, we are desirable, the the wisdom and the knowledge, the words that we have uh, through that spirit that's within us are to be craved, and it is something that's critical Okay, that wisdom, that salt that we've been seasoned with is critical uh, for the world. The world needs us. The world needs the salt that we have. The wor- world needs the, the words that we have that are seasoned with that salt. And we can look at um, Colossians chapter 4. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, and I want to look at verses 1 through 6 here. Um, it says, Masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So we see that phrase, seasoned with salt. And I wanted to look at the, uh, kind of that, that, that passage there to give us a little context. That's why I started clear back in verse 1. But to have our words seasoned with salt. When we season our words with salt, that becomes attractive. I was listening to a... A podcast earlier this week, and uh, Phil Robertson was on that podcast. They were interviewing him, and he kind of shared his testimony. Now, I don't know if you know who Phil Robertson is, but he was—he's on uh, Duck Dynasty. So he he made some duck calls that became kind of world famous, and and uh, um, kind of made a lot of money that way, and then. Uh, they made a TV show kind of based on him and his family's life, and it was kind of a reality show, and they followed him around and stuff. But Phil Robinson is uh, a pretty strong Christian, a very strong Christian, and he's, he's a southern boy, so he lived in Arkansas and Louisiana all his life, And but he's got some pretty sage uh, wisdom that he offers up if you listen to what he has to say. And uh, he was talking about giving his testimony, and he's oh, 70-some years old now, and, and uh that he so uh, when he was a younger man, I, I think he was just short of 30 maybe at this time, uh, he owned a beer joint, he called it, down in Arkansas. And uh, this beer joint, he said in the front he had the whites, and in the back he had the black people. And Phil sat between the two with a gun to kind of keep the peace between the two sides in this beer joint that he had. And so he was kind of a wild crusty character, and I don't know that Phil had heard much about the gospel of Jesus Christ at that point in his life, and he sure hadn't given it serious consideration, and his sister was born again, and she approached her pastor, and she said, you know, if we could get my brother Phil to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, thousands would come to the Lord through him, and his pastor says, is that right? She said, I know it to be true, so they go down to the beer joint, and it, now, that's quite a bit of boldness on the part of this pastor, because this isn't just, uh, you know, he's not only is he maybe a little bit resistant to the gospel, he's also armed <laughs> and maybe he knows how to use that gun pretty well. But they go down to the beer joint and they they witness to him. And Phil said, as, a, as he was walking away, I heard him say, I don't think he's ready yet. <laughs> I think he ran him out of the beer joint. Well, But that planted a seed. There were, there were words seasoned with salt that he gave to Phil, even though, and, and they were words that Phil actually craved. So as, as Phil kind of walked through his life in the next five or six months, he came to a point where, where he was pondering that pastor's words. And he said, you know, uh, he had told me about eternal life through Jesus Christ and what that could do for me. And he said, I, as I got to thinking about that, he said, uh, uh, we're talking about immortality. And that's kind of how he talks. And And he said, I had never considered the possibility of immortality before. And that was the salt that Phil needed. His mind turned and turned around the thought of, of, of immortality being available to him. He said, I, I never considered that that was something that was a possibility, but... The, the promise of Jesus Christ is immortality in, in him in, in and in a life beyond this life in heaven. And so that was the salt that he needed to hear. And about six months later, he then did commit his life to Christ and uh, has a pretty tremendous testimony and, and that thousands have come uh, to know Jesus Christ through his ministry. But had that salt never been given, those words uh, that that pastor shared with him never been given, Phil would have never, never come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so I think that's a, a tremendous example of salt. You know, normally when I prepare a, a message, I, I don't get to use myself as a positive example. Usually it's something, a, a lesson that I learned the hard way. But uh, this is actually something that maybe, uh, maybe I listened to the Spirit inside of me and spoke with a little bit of salt. We were uh, in uh, Mankato, Minnesota, in September, and um, we, we, we'd taken Megan to, uh, to to Minneapolis to fly out to go to Thailand, and, and on our way back, we were having some car trouble, and I pulled into the gas station and popped the hood, and it was pretty obvious uh, that car had about 220,000 miles on it, and it was pretty obvious that the head gasket had blown. So, the car was still running good enough to drive it down the road, so... We went online and found a car dealership in Mankato, and we pulled in there, and and the, the guy uh, came out, and 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 his first words to me were, "How are you doing today?" Well, if you talked to me a little bit earlier in the day, my words might not have been so salty. Well, they might have been salty in a different way, but <laughs> but it wouldn't have been the right kind of salt at that point. But I'd, I'd kind of you know gotten some peace and. Settle down a little bit because it's pretty disgusting. It, obviously, the car was done. Uh, old enough car with enough miles on it, it wasn't going to be worth even trying to fix. and would have been taking a long time to fix it. And So I, as he came up there and asked me how I was doing, I said, well, we're blessed. I said, we're having a little car trouble, but we're blessed. And he kind of looked at me funny and, and he said, well, I don't, I'm blessed too. And I said, well, good. And so we go in and, and he starts looking at the... Uh, um, we tell him kind of what's going on. The car's uh, blown a head gasket, and it's probably probably done, not worth anything but salvage. And and uh, uh, we tell him kind of the vehicles that we're interested in, and he goes through and finds them, and finds the pickup that we ended up buying. And and uh, we get in and go. We're going for a test drive, and Carrie and I are just being ourselves, you know. And we get about halfway through the test drive, and he looks at us and he goes. You guys really love each other, don't you? And I said, "Yeah, we do." And I, he, he said, uh, "How long? How long have you been married?" And so I said, "Well, about twenty, twenty-two years. Be twenty-three years next June." And He said, "Wow, you just don't see that anymore. That's just amazing." And so, but I think that because I started with words seasoned with salt, he was able to see the light in us, and there was something that was desirous to him. We were able to share with them a little bit. We didn't get to share with them a lot, but I just believe that that was an opportunity to plant a seed. I believe that, and it, and it came because we spoke with salt from the beginning. And salt is something that is different, okay? When we speak, you know, uh, Kathy was talking this morning about uh, the way that, that we might respond in adverse situations, I'll say. And it made me think of uh, the Amish folks um, Oh, it's been three or four years ago now, but there was a school shooting in an Amish school. Those Amish parents, that night that that had happened, they were comforting the family of the shooter. Now that's salt. That's salt. Because that's... You know, when when you're speaking with salt, when your words are seasoned with salt, people are either going to say either you're crazy or you've got something that i want because that's different from what i can experience in the world that's different from my nature we were talking about jesus being crucified and the way that he responded when uh, when he when he went through those trials and these false accusations were made against him and he didn't even answer them he didn't even answer them when they said but you're the Son of God, he said, yeah, I'm the Son of God. But he didn't answer those false accusations and lies. He, that's salt. That's salt. Because our nature is to defend ourselves when we're falsely accused. It's to, you know, get all upset and fight back. Well, that's... That's that's what human nature says. That's not necessarily what God's nature says. And when we start speaking with God's nature, our words are seasoned with salt, and it's something different, it's something that the world has never seen before, and you're either crazy or you've got something that they need desperately. You've got something that they crave that that, that they've gotta have that's essential for their life. Okay, that's salt. Okay, and that'd be pretty good we could stop there. But Jesus said a little bit more in Matthew. So we're back to Matthew chapter 5 again. And the next verse uh, is verse 14. He says, "...you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see Your good works and glorify Your Father in heaven. Jesus first calls us salt, and then He calls us light. And we see that salt is something that people crave and desire and have to have. The same with light. You have to have light. Life on this planet is not possible without light. It provides energy. It provides food. It provides warmth. uh, It provides illumination. Think about if we were to set you out in the middle of, a, of nowhere, in the middle of the night, and you didn't know where you were at, but you could see one point of light off in the distance or even you know fairly close or whatever. One point of light. You'd absolutely go to that light. You know, we always talk about a moth being a, a, attracted to the flame. How do we know that the moth is attracted to the flame? We're already there. <laughs> The moth is attracted. So are we. We're attracted to light, and and light is life giving. Light is essential. Uh, you can look even in in uh, Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter one, uh, in verse. Starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the faces of the water. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now, going clear back to the creation of the, of, of the world, before He even created man, He created light. It was, God understand and, and created light to be so critical and vital to our existence that He made the light even before He made us. And then uh, we turn to, to, to John uh, chapter 1. We're going to see who and what that light is. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This This is referring to Jesus Christ as the light. Uh, He's the Word. He's the Light. And without that Light, life is not possible. That Light has been there from the beginning. And it's critical. It's vital. And as believers... So, think about this. uh, This uh, in John says that Jesus is the Light. Okay? He's the Light of the world. Then the passage that we read in Matthew, Jesus tells his followers that you are the light. You are salt and light. Well, that's because of the source that's within us. When we've got Jesus Christ in us, shining with us within us, then we become that same light that the world can see. Now, we can't be the light if, you know, he talks about uh, putting it under a bushel. We've got to live our lives so that, so that the world can see the light that's, that's, when, uh, that's within us. I want to. Um, I'm going to skip ahead to that Second Corinthians. So, looking at Second Corinthians one through seven, I want to uh, look at how tremendous uh, it talks about the light. Starting in verse one, there It says, "Therefore, since we have this ministry, and to to find the ministry that that we have, you kind of have to go back in." Uh, in in chapter three, and it talks about us being ministers of the gospel. Okay, so when you think about what what is the gospel, well, it's the story of Jesus Christ. It's the story of uh, that we were lost in our sin, we were dead because of sin, and God chose to send His very own Son to live a perfect life, to undergo incredible persecution and crucifixion. Um, but because of the perfection that He lived in, He took the punishment that we deserved. It says the wages of sin is death. So because of our sin, we were condemned to die. Jesus wasn't condemned to die because He never sinned. So He took that sin, He took that burden upon Himself, and He suffered the death of the cross. God raised Him on the third day, which proved who He was that He was the Son of God, that He was the promised Messiah, that He washed away our sin and makes not only life in Christ and relationship with God possible on this earth, but the eternal life that was the salt that Phil Robertson needed to hear about available to us through Jesus Christ. That's the the message of the Gospel, right? So we are ministers of that message of the Gospel. That's our ministry, is to share that. We all have that ministry. As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds... The gods of this age, that small g, gods, has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservant for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow. What a tremendous thing that we've been blessed with. Not only to have our sins washed away by what Jesus did when we receive Him and accept Him, but to have the ministry to be able to share that, to have Him implanted inside of us that we're illuminated by Jesus Christ. And if we want to reach the world, if we want to multiply as sheep, then we need to let that light shine from us. We need to let our words be seasoned with the salt and the wisdom of, of God's Scripture that the world craves, that the world needs. They need to see Jesus shining out of us. You know, uh, Trevor gave the commence, or a, a, a speech at commencement last year because he was a salutatorian. And one of the most tremendous compliments, I think, You could give a person as one that he gave to Ryan at that graduation. He called out a couple of teachers that he really appreciated. And he said, uh, I want to thank Mr. O because he always let his light shine. Wow. Wow. How transformative is it? If, If somebody can say about us, he always let his light shine. That's how we change the world. That's how we grow. It may happen that in the service, people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I want to see that happen. I believe it can happen. I believe God wants to do that. Don't get me wrong. But the primary way that people are going to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior is because they experience the light coming from you that they don't see anywhere else in this world Because they can see Jesus Christ shining through you. They can experience the words that you have to say that are seasoned with salt. And if we hide our light under a bushel, if when we're in those situations at work or at school or out in the community at dinner, uh, buying a car after your car blew up and we're in that situation and we don't season our words with salt, we don't let that light shine out from us. They're never going to know the difference. They're never going to know that what they're craving is Jesus Christ. They're never going to know that what they're craving is the seasoned salt of God's Word and that power in their life that's essential for not only life on this earth, but the next life as well. They're never going to know that unless we let our light shine and we let our words be seasoned with salt. And that is how... The, the, the flock multiplies. That's God's plan. That's God's design for His church. That's God's design for His people. That's God's design for His sheep. Is that the words that He's given us, the salt that He's given us, and the light of Jesus Christ shines out from us so that it cannot be denied that there's something different about that guy. And He's either crazy or He's got something that I need to the very bottom of my soul that I've got desperation for. I crave it and I've got to have it. And that's what we need today. That's what we need when we step outside of these doors. You know, this only lasts a couple hours a week, right? But we're out there and our light can shine 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's how God intends for His church to multiply. That's how God intends for His... uh, flock to grow amen what a tremendous honor and blessing it is that God's chosen to do that through us he's equipped us and made us you know from from uh uh, beings that are deserving of death and destruction to having the privilege of having the ministry of the gospel to grow his kingdom that is a privilege and an honor that it's it's unspeakable. Amen? Do you want to close? Do you want me to close? Okay. <laughs> Did you say you're going to just... Do you want to do offering? Pass it around or just put a plate in the back and... Drop your offering in there. So there'll be an uh, offering plate in the back to uh, put your offering in. Uh, we've got our carrying dinner to enjoy uh, here in a few minutes. So I'll, I'll pray to close and I'll bless the meal at the same time. Father God, we just thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able to share uh, with your people, Father God. I pray that I've been a conduit for your word and I pray that the, the words that I've spoken have been the words from your lips this morning, Father God. And, Uh, It's humbling uh, to be used in that way, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity. I pray that this would be a word that would would not depart from our minds, would not depart from our hearts, but it would grow and produce in our lives, Lord, that we would uh, be ministers of the gospel, that we would season our words with salt and that we would let the light of Jesus Christ shine through our life in Jesus' name. Uh, Father God, we thank You for the food that we're about to uh, enjoy, Lord. We pray that You would bless it to our bodies and our bodies to Your service. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, We also pray for the offering, Father God. Lord, we thank You uh, for those that have a heart to give this morning, Father God. Lord, we pray that You would bless them, pressed down, shaken together, and running over uh, this morning. We, We know that Your Word promises that the devourer will be rebuked. Uh, Lord, your word says that everything we put our hands to will prosper, and we thank you for that this morning. We give this offering to you, Father God, these tithes and these offerings. We bring them into your storehouse with hearts of love and joy, not begrudgingly, Father God, but with hearts of love and joy, because we know that this uh, offering that we give will be fruitful in your kingdom, Father God. Use it to impact lives uh, in this area and all around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.